If you take God's precious word, we're here in Hosea chapter 5. Hosea chapter 5. God willing, we'll be expounding the last verse in this chapter, chapter uh, verse 15. And, uh, and then, Lord willing, we'll get into uh, chapter 6 next week. God is speaking to Israel in chapter 5. Finally, next week, we'll hear back as Israel answers back to God. That's kind of neat, isn't it? All right? Prophetically answering back to God. All right? So, right now, God's last word to Israel in chapter 5. And the title of the message this morning is Staying in Your Place. Staying in Your Place. I'm going to tell you, staying in your place is a hard thing to do sometimes. Last week, God said when Israel realized that they were in trouble as a nation, the first place they went to for help was Assyria instead of God. And we learned that our faith is revealed by who uh, or where we go to for help in the beginning and not where we wind up in the end. They went to the Assyrian, but God said the Assyrian couldn't heal their wound. Remember, the world cannot cure a wound that it caused. But God could heal this wound. Uh, God would heal it because uh, He would cause them to uh, be damaged by the judgment of their sin. And that's something far beyond the world could recover. When God wounds, nothing else can recover but God. And remember, the world can't heal a wounded cause because only by the grace of God can the affliction of sin be cured. If you would uh, look here in verse 13, underscore the phrase, then went Assyrian, I'm sorry, then went Ephraim to the Assyrian. Then went Ephraim to the Assyrian. That was in verse 13. Just underscore that in your Bible. Israel went to Assyria, and now in verse 15, God says, I will go and return to my place. Both of them are going somewhere. Israel goes to Assyria, God goes to his place. Now, put the two actions together. Israel went to the Assyrian, so God says, I will go and return to my place. And when we're talking about God's place, don't misunderstand what God is saying here. God created everything. God is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. And every place belongs to God because He created every place. So God wasn't so much going to withdraw His presence from Israel as He was His protection and influence upon them. Okay? He was going to withdraw his protection from Israel, his influence upon Israel. God had been visiting Israel with prophets, sending prophets to them, stretching out his hand of mercy in warning them, you better change your ways, you better turn from your sin. God had been trying to warn them that they had been living in sin, but they didn't want to hear anything about that. God had gone to them over and over again with a broken, loving heart, trying to get them to come back to Him. But they wanted nothing to do with God. God was like a man. Remember, God likened Himself to a husband in Israel to being an unfaithful wife, as we began the book of Hosea. God was like a man whose wife had run off and left Him. And He found her and pled with her to come back to Him because He loved her. 
But she refused his kind words and tender speeches. And many of men have experienced that very thing. She didn't want anything to do with her husband because she had found herself another lover. And that was the gods of this world. So after seeing that his words that he had given uh, to her, his kind words were disregarded by her and that she had made up her mind to not come back with him, God finally says, okay, I'm done with trying to bring that woman back. I'm going to go back home and leave her to her own choices. So God goes back home and stops contacting the woman. That's the, 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 the picture that God is giving here. Do you, do you know what some people do when you keep trying to woo them back to you? I mean, you, you've got someone you love and they don't want anything to do with you. And you just, you just keep trying to woo them back and send them gifts and send them cards and send them letters and phone calls they don't answer. And you're trying your best. You know what happens to those people when you keep doing that? They get used to the attention that you give them. They take your love for granted even more. They start expecting you to grovel for their love. And they feel empowered by the fact that you're always begging them to come home and reconcile to you. That's why it's hard to stay in your place. Because you love that person so much, you keep trying to reach out. But you're reaching out over and over and over and over and over again. Ends up doing the opposite of what you're trying to do. It makes them resent you. It makes them feel empowered. It makes them think, this relationship's all up to me and these people need me. Church, God loves us. He will reach out to us in His kindness and His mercy with His hand of grace. But God will never grovel for your love. He won't do it. And lest a person grow accustomed to always hearing about God's love for them, lest they grow accustomed to preachers telling them that God wants them to be saved from their sins over and over again, lest they begin to mistakenly think that they hold all the cards in their relationship with God, then let me remind them, remind you, that God doesn't need us. We need Him. Israel was God's unfaithful wife who had left God to commit whoredom with the false gods of the nations around them. And through the prophets, God went to Israel time and time again to reason with her, to correct her and draw her back to Himself. But she was a stubborn and foolish woman who refused to hear Him. Even when she was in trouble, she turned to a heathen nation instead of God. So God is saying, Israel... Went to her lovers, so I will return and go to my place. I'm gone. I will quit pursuing her. I will no longer reach out to her. I will no longer plead with her to return to me. I will now leave her to her lovers to reap the results of her sinful choices, and I will return to my place. That's a dangerous thing for Israel. How many of y'all... Have you ever had a relationship with someone you love very, very much? 
maybe a spouse, maybe a child, and that loved one left you and wanted nothing to do with you. That's several hands going up. I'm one of them. Several hands going up. It hurts really bad, doesn't it? I mean, it hurts really bad. It's like someone you love died on purpose. You try and you try to get them back, but no matter what you say or do, they're not coming back. So as much as it hurts, after a while, you finally quit reaching out. And God is doing that very thing to Israel here. Not because He no longer loves them. But because, listen closely now, if they will not return to Him when He pursues them, then maybe they will return to Him when He goes away. and lets them get a taste of what it's like to hit rock bottom. See that? That's what it's like to stay in your place. To stay back, someone you love, and you watch them suffer like Israel's about to suffer. And you're used to as a mama, or as a dad, or as a spouse, running over there and just scooping that, scooping them up. Oh, is that, let me help it, make that better. And they just disregard you. They just expect to always get scooped up. God's saying, uh, I'm out of the scooping business. You won't get scooped, let your lovers scoop you up. Let those false gods scoop you up. Let the Assyrians scoop you up. I'm going to stay over here. I'm going to stay in my place. You left me. I'll always be here, but you are going to have to come back to me. And whatever happens to you out there is going to happen to you. You won't get fixed. You're going to have to come over here. That's what God did to his unfaithful spouse. That's what we have to do sometimes too. When you keep reaching out to people and they keep rejecting, 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 snobbing you, turn their nose up at you, shut it off. Go to your place and let them hit rock bottom. If they left God in their pride, then maybe they will return to Him in their humility and shame and their suffering. I want to remind you of the parable that Jesus told in the New Testament about the prodigal son. Whether it's the prodigal son leaving the father or Israel leaving the father, God, their husband, however you want to look at it, it's all the same thing. The, the son left the father who loved and provided for him. The, the, the nation of Israel left God who loved and provided for them. The prodigal son did very much like the Israelites did after they left God, after he left his father. In Luke chapter 15... Luke chapter 15, verse 13. Speaking of the prodigal son, Jesus said, And not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He went to a far country. You know what that means? That means he went a long way from his father. He went a long way from God is what that represents. In the same way Israel had gone a long way from God. And like the Israelites, the prodigal son wasted what his father had given him. 
Israel had been tremendously blessed by God, but they wasted their substance with riotous living. Righteousness always adds to your life that righteous living. But Jesus said the prodigal son, he wastes his substance with riotous living. So righteous living always adds to your life. Riotous living always takes away from it. It always consumes it. Jesus said the son went far away just as Israel went from God. And God went to them after they had left him. But now he said, Hi, Haley. But now he said, we're in uh, Hosea chapter 5, last verse, by the way. Uh, and God went to them after they left him, but now he said he would go and return to his place. Here's a kingdom truth. God will visit you when you're living far away in sin, but he will never move there. He will never move to where you are. God will visit you when you're away, far away from him, living in sin, but he'll never move to where you are. The prodigal son's father didn't run off with the son. He stayed home. It was the son who ran far away from God. It was the son who was way over there. Remember when the son started coming back? The father saw him when he was a great way off. Father, father was still back home. God will never abandon his position of righteousness to accommodate your position of unrighteousness. Uh, my my uh, uh, mom and I were talking the other day. I think it was my mom. Maybe it was my dad. But we were talking. And I said, you know, one of my friends at work, it was really sad. One of my friends at work, he... Um, has a very close friend, and uh, and he and his wife had a son, and the son came and told them that he was homosexual. Well, it broke it broke the mom and dad's heart. I mean, it just broke their heart. And I remember, you know, telling my mother, you know, that boy, my kids can do a lot of things, but I thank God none of them have come out and told me anything like that. Thank God. And I, and I said, you know, my child, even if they were homosexual, they would always be welcome to come home and eat at my table, have uh, come home for Christmas or whatever. They'd always be welcome to come home. But their, their partner? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll never have a homosexual couple sitting around my table. That sin's not coming into my house. I told Mama if they won't do that, they have to go eat at her house. <laughs> but that's not coming to my house. Why? Because I can't abandon my position of righteousness to accommodate someone else's position of unrighteousness. But you know what happens to a lot of families? Well, I love my son. I love my daughter. I love whatever. So they think, well... I want to stay close to them. So here's what I'll do. I'll just start welcoming their partner in. I'll start welcoming their sin in. 
I'll start taking this in. And, I'll, I, and, I, and my opinion, my personal opinion will always be that they're wrong. But I'm just going to slide over here and accommodate their sin. And love them where they are. And say nothing more about it. God's not ever going to do that. He'll never accommodate your sin. Never, never, never. We have churches today that try to accommodate people's sins. We have a pope who's trying to accommodate people's sins. Pastors who are doing it. Well, they can get, you can get accommodated in a man's church all you want to. You'll never get accommodated like that in heaven. Never. Jesus said in verse 14, Luke 15, 14, he said, And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Man, he's hungry now. Daddy's not supplying his needs anymore. Why? Daddy stayed in his place. Daddy's letting him suffer. Daddy's not saying, well, here, let me, son, let me Western Union you an allowance over here. Things are still going well back here at the house. No, because if he does that, he's going to become an enabler of that young man's sin. You got someone doing drugs, you got someone living and ba making bad choices. Don't let them come into your house and keep feeding and clothing them. I had to kick a son out of my house. Not this one. But I had to kick another son out of my house. I, boy, that's one of the hardest things I ever did. But you know what? Daddy's staying in his place. I'm not accommodating anybody's sin. Not going to do it. Suddenly the young man finds himself broke. He finds himself in trouble. And what did the prodigal son do? Where was the first place the prodigal son went to when he was in trouble? He didn't go back to daddy. Verse 15, Luke 15, 15, Jesus said, And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him to, the, to his fields to feed swine. Boy, that was nice of him. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. Now, isn't that exactly what Israel did with Assyria? The first place they went to was Assyria. The same God who wrote the book of Hosea and told us that the first place Israel went to was the nation of, of Assyria is the same God who told us that, that the first place the prodigal son went to was a citizen of that foreign country that he was in. Assyria was a foreign nation. And that represents this heathen world that is foreign to God's kingdom. Make sense? The citizen of the country that the prodigal son went to, which was a long way off from the father, belonged to a nation that was foreign to his father. Representing once again the kingdom of this world, which is foreign to God. Both sought help. From this world. But it was the world that got them into trouble in the first place. Israel had plenty when they walked with God. The prodigal son had plenty when he dwelled with his father. But when they left their God, they lost their substance. Here's a kingdom truth. Worldly living shrinks godly wealth. Worldly living shrinks godly wealth. Jesus said in Luke 15, 16, And he would have fain, that means he would have loved to have filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat. And no man gave unto him. Man, he's hit rock bottom now. 
When you're sitting there, you're thinking, man, the pigs live better than me. He's empty. And him being hungry. Remember what Jesus said? Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Him being hungry and empty here. It's not just physical. It's representing the greater spiritual truth of the emptiness of this world. You go try to find your pleasure in this world. You go try to find. There was a, a, a man that my wife was talking to a while back. Who doesn't believe in God. He said, you know, life really has no purpose. How hopeless it is to think there's no God. And suddenly you start thinking, you know, life has no purpose. Wow. I'd hate to think that way, that my life had no purpose, no real meaning at all. But that's how this man was. He couldn't get filled. Israel couldn't get healed. Israel had a wound. He had an empty belly. The world couldn't fill him. The world couldn't heal him. That's what we're looking at here. The Assyrian couldn't give Israel what they needed. The foreigners couldn't give the prodigal son what he needed. Only God could heal the wounds that sin caused. Only the father could welcome the poor son home and fill the emptiness within him. And only God can do that for you. Israel could only be healed in the place where God dwelled. Just like the prodigal son. The prodigal son wanted to get filled. All right, I'm out here with the pigs. I'm out here with the foreigners. I'm out here with the citizens of this world. I've been living with, with this riotous living. <clears throat> this left me completely empty. I have no hope. My life means nothing. I'm empty. Again, Father's not sending Western Union to that country. The son's going to have to realize he's wrong. The son's going to have to leave the place he's in. The son's got to turn back to the father and come back to the place where the father's at. Israel's going to have to be the same way. They're going to have to realize they're wrong. God's going to let them hit rock bottom. He's going to let them be destroyed by their enemy. They're going to have to realize, you know how we got here? I should have never left the father to begin with, just like the prodigal son. We should have never left God. Let's go back. He's the only one who can heal our wound. That's what it means to stay in your place. You have a loved one who's left. After you've reached out like God time and time and time again, you finally say, fine, I'm not visiting you any longer. You know where I am. You know I love you. But you're going to come back to me. When you realize you're wrong. So God went to his place just as the father and the prodigal son remain in his place. Now I want you to think of something. In the story of the father and the prodigal son, if the father would have moved to the foreign country so he could stay close to his son, then his son would have had no place to come home to when he realized he was empty and needed to be filled. You see that? Yeah. No place to come home to. If God would have followed Israel into Assyria, Israel would have had no place to come home to when they realized their wound and needed to be healed. If you grovel over your loved one and just follow them around hoping one day they'll love you back and all you do is just help and grovel and all that stuff, you do that, they'll never hit rock bottom. They'll never realize their need. 
They'll never have a place to come home to if you keep leaving your place of righteousness to accommodate their place of unrighteousness. Don't do it. You stand firm on God's Word. You love them, but you stand firm on God's Word and you let them hit rock bottom and come back to you. Here's a kingdom truth. God lets us hit rock bottom when we are away from Him that we may recognize our sin then rise and return to Him. God lets us hit rock bottom when we are away from Him that we may recognize our sin then rise and return to Him. God said, I will remain in my place. Look back in your text now in Hosea chapter 5 verse 15. Till they acknowledge their offense. You see that? Till they acknowledge their offense. Now if they acknowledge their offense, what are they going to do? They're going to come back to God's place. In the same way in Luke 15, 17, Jesus said, speaking of the prodigal son, and when he came to himself... When he came to himself, it means, huh, man, what have I been thinking? He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? <clears throat> I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee. In other words, he's acknowledging his offense, just like God was talking about with, with uh, Israel. It wasn't until the prodigal son was poor and empty that he finally came to himself and realized his sin. And it wouldn't be until Israel was in the same dire straits until they acknowledged their sin and returned to God. Here's a takeaway from this. When we're looking here at Hosea 5.15, he says, I'm going to go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face. Sometimes you have to let people fail before they can realize that they're wrong. Sometimes you have to let people go far away before you can ever have them near you. God said, I will be in my place until they acknowledge their sin, look back in your text, and seek my face. Not God seeking their face. That's what he had been doing to the prophets. That's what we do when we send the letters, send the cards, try to get the phone calls out, and they don't answer our phone calls. Not God seek their face, but they seek God's face. You see? God said, look back in your text, in their affliction, they will seek me early. That'll get them off their, off their, uh, their chair. And get them running back to me. In their affliction they will seek me early. In their pride they left me. In their pain they'll return. In their affliction they will seek me early. Sometimes you have to stay in your place of righteousness. Before people will leave their place of wickedness. I'm going to say that again. Sometimes you have to stay in your place of righteousness before your loved one will leave their place of wickedness. Parents, spouses of estranged wives or husbands, learn to stay in your place. Don't grovel. 
Stay in your place of righteousness and let your rebellious children fail. Stay in your place of righteousness and let your spouse fail. I see men, I've seen men for years, their wife run off and leave them, unfaithful to them, and as soon as they're in trouble, that ex-husband wants to run over there and help them. Well, maybe if I do this, they'll love me back. Uh, you stay in your place of righteousness and let them fail. If you keep running to them, bailing them out, they may never know the blessing of falling and returning home. And with that, we'll go ahead and close this morning and take back up in chapter 6 next week where we finally... We quit, we quit hearing from God speaking to Israel, and we finally hear Israel respond back to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your precious word. Lord, what a model you've given us. If it wasn't for you doing this in Hosea, Lord, I believe many parents and many spouses, I believe many loved ones, Lord, would, would harbor guilt in their heart, always thinking maybe if they wrote one more letter, maybe if they made one more call, maybe if they made one more trip to that loved one's home, one more pleading, one, if their loved one heard them cry, if they did something else, maybe they could convince them and get them to come home, get them to leave their wicked ways of sin and restore that relationship, be reconciled. But Lord, we see here in your word today that showing love in seeking our loved one's face is not always the remedy. You showed us, Lord, that yes, we do that first, just as you did. But once you reach a certain point, you have to stay in your place. Never abandon your place of righteousness to accommodate a place of unrighteousness. And they left in pride. But God, we pray this morning... For anyone here this morning, we had several raise their hands earlier who've experienced this in their lives, and perhaps they're still experiencing it now. We pray for anyone today with a strained relationship, Father. We pray, dear Lord God, that you'll help them, give them the patience to stay in their place. If they're wrong in any way, absolutely to confess it, to forsake it, to make it right on their end. But if it's just a matter of unrighteous abandonment, they'll learn to stay in their place, to keep their relationship with you strong, to find their peace and fulfillment in you, cast this burden on your great big shoulders, and Lord, give them strength if their loved one falls, that they may have joy when their loved one returns. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.